You may remember a couple of weeks back I was sharing with you how when I was travelling um, over in uh, Western Australia, I had an encounter with a gentleman who, who um, felt like he, he needed to tell me what he thought about me. You may remember that story. If you don't remember that story, just very briefly, uh, while I was travelling over in Western Australia and helping out with some new church planting activity that we're doing over in the West, I, uh, I was asked to um, teach and minister that night at this, um, at, at this uh, event and there was probably about 60, 60 folk there and half of them were um, belonging to this new vineyard church plant that's taking place and the other half were, were just sussing it out, like who are these people and do we want to come for the ride with what God's doing with them? And anyway, I, so I just got up and I was very much me and just shared some stuff and taught out of the Bible and invited the Spirit to come and God was moving through the room and there was people experiencing the goodness of God and his power and healing all, all over the room. And um, anyway, this one gentleman, he just, he just felt it was, you know, proper that he should come and tell me what he thought of me. And so he came over to me and he said, well, you're the national director of the vineyard in Australia, are you? I said, well, yeah. I said, well, that's what I do. I said, um, you know, just to differentiate, that's what I do. It's not who I am, but I do do that. And, um, and he goes, well, I just, I just want to let you know, I think you're the most unimpressive person I've ever listened to. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, wow, I haven't had it cheering on like that for a while, you know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he, was, he just felt like he needed to tell me what he thought of me. <laughs> and so he did. And uh, part of me was like, all right, I, on first hearing, I can probably let that one go through to the keeper. <laughs> Uh, but he, he repeated it two or three times and the more he repeated it, the more something was taking place within me. Like part of me was going, you know, I, I should really not be too concerned about what he's saying. Another part of me was getting like my emotions were like getting pretty stirred up, hot, heated, hmm. Anger was building. My body was starting to get like a little tense, you know, like mm, I wasn't feeling I wasn't feeling the peace in that moment. My body was starting to get tense. And probably I you know, if you if you were observing me from a distance, you might have seen my my hand sort of take a posture from this to this. <laughs> you know, it was like I, I was I was just I was ready to just let this guy know what I thought of him for letting me know what he thought of me. And, and in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, spoke to my spirit. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my spirit and said, well, it's a good thing, Kirk, that you didn't come here to impress him. Now, at that, at that moment, I, had a, I was at a significant junction in the experience, okay? I had an opportunity to partner with the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit was saying to me about why I was there and who I was actually seeking to impress as to, um, you know, partnering with how my emotions were in that moment and partnering with actually some of the, th the thinking 
that was running through my mind about what I was thinking about this guy who thought I was unimpressed, um, unimpressive. Some of the stuff that was rolling through my mind at that time, some of those thoughts. And or I also had to, you know, am I going to actually partner with what, what's going on in my body right now? Am I going to like, I mean, this guy was like this. He was a big guy. <laughs> but um, but I, I thought I could take him. <laughs> so I was like, but where am I, who am I going to partner? How am I going to be a follower of Jesus in this moment? And so we, um, a couple of weeks ago, we started to look at how um, Paul in... Um, in his letter to the Corinthians, in, in his opening statement to the Corinthians, he says, um, God has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that word fellowship in that context, koinonia, it gets used in a few different ways through the Bible. But in that setting, that word koinonia means partnership, agreeing with, joining with, coming into um, union with the person of Jesus. And so we started to sort of um, unpack a little bit about what that looks like to follow God and, and how actually, um, we, you know, the long story of God that we looked at last week, just to recap, was that we would, um, in, the, in the Genesis account, we would walk with God, we would partner with God, we would be fully flourishing human beings who our primary... Um, created purpose was to both um, reflect the image of God into his creation, being made in his image. Part of our human flourishing is to like bring that life and love of God into God's good creation. And then at the same time, bring the praises and the worship of all of God's creation and reflect that back to him. And so the human being has this amazing um, experience in the the whole the whole God thing the whole God story and experience and yet somewhere along the way in that account in Genesis we see how a lie was was esteemed and given permission when when the enemy came into the garden and said to Adam and Eve hey God doesn't want you to eat of that over there because if you do you will become like him now knowing good from evil now this we fell adam and eve fell sucker to that because they already were made in his image they already were like him but they gave their authority to the power structure that they were going to live under and live in over to a lie and as a result of that paul talks about in romans how now all of all humanity has this um, struggle now to come out of living under the lie and coming back into living a whole and fruitful life. And so um, God in his goodness doesn't leave people lost. He prophesies through the story of Israel all the way through all the prophets, major and minor, saying, turn back to me, turn back to me. I will restore you. I will, I will build you. I will bless the nations of, of the world through you, way back through the promise to Abraham and through the story of Israel. And so God, in, in, in the story of Ezekiel, there's a wonderful scripture there we touched on last week, how Ezekiel's prophesied to Israel who were devastated and broken and lost and he said to them don't worry 
I will, I will come and I will give you a new spirit. So he's speaking to the people of God. He's saying, I'll give you a new spirit, lower, lowercase s, a new spirit. I'll give you a new heart and I will put my spirit, capital S, I'm not sure, that way as you're looking at me, capital S, there in your spirit and your heart. So that the, the, the nature of the human spirit would be turned back to God in terms of its nature and its orientation. And, um, and that it would be in the context of a person's heart where that would take place. And that heart would be soft and fleshy and receptive to the, the, the presence of the spirit of God living within. <clears throat> and so we get Jesus. Jesus comes along and he fills fulfills that human role and he says good news good news everyone (laughs) god has taken on flesh and made his dwelling among us (laughs) and he has shown us what it means to live the human human experience and the good news is everyone now doesn't matter whether you're a jew or a gentile male or female doesn't matter the good news is everyone can come into the prophetic hope that ezekiel prophesied if you believe in Jesus as the Son of God, where you get a new spirit, a new heart, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that takes place in the context of our spirit. And then we work and walk that out in terms of our soul our, and, our, and our body. Um, <clears throat> the day that, uh, or the evening that, I met Jesus was a really significant moment for me. And I, um, some of you, many of you maybe have heard this, but for those of you who haven't, that, that moment for me was very much descriptive, like Ezekiel said, that God would literally give me a new heart and put a new spirit within me. And so for me, when I met Jesus, I, 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 you know, I went to church that night after a season of just, you know, saying, hey, God, I don't really need you and pushing all of that away and, and then um, choosing to give myself to other things. Um, and then I go to church and blow me down. God gets a hold of me and I end up in this little room out the back of a church where people are praying for me. And they took me out into the back room because um, it was pretty... Well, what it wasn't pretty. That's the point. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. Uh, there was, there, it was quite demonstrative for me. I was, being, I was being set free from demonic um, influences. I was being set, fr- set free and I was being born again. As John 3 talks about where Jesus says, to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again and and the born again experience for me in that moment was I literally as I'm sitting there screaming crying my demons are manifesting out of me so there was some unpleasant language flying out of me there was like all sorts of like I was having these mental rushes and mind games of of tussling for life and light and um, and in the midst of all of that I can remember as it was all going on and I was completely losing control. 
I was completely losing control because this love, this love, man, this love was invading me and reforming my whole being, this love from God. And Jesus came into, he literally stood in front of me in the midst of what was a really incredible moment and he looked at me with this love <laughs> in his eyes. And then as he looked at me, with, I think he was getting my, trying to distract me a little bit because he, he caught me with the love in his eyes and then he plunged his hand straight into my chest. And at that point, I was, I was just screaming. Like, you know, if you're outside the room, you're probably thinking, what are they doing to that poor kid in there? <laughs> but I was being set free. I was meeting Jesus and he reached into my chest and then he pulled, I know it sounds a bit like a bad movie really, but he pulled my heart out of my chest and he held it between him and me. And as he held it there between the two of us, he said, I'm going to clean you now. And he, have you ever used a high pressure water gun and you on the driveway? And you've accidentally caught the edge of your toe and it stings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to clean you now. I'm going to clean you now. And this love felt like a high pressure water hose and it just, just hit my heart and it, it just stung and it, and it hurt and it was yet at the same time I was like so thankful that it was taking place because I was getting set free. And then it only lasted a few moments, but it was enough for me to realise that something's changed about who I am. And then Jesus took my heart and put it back in my chest and then he took a soldering iron, out of old school soldering irons, you know, with the big metal head on it, out of, a, out of a fire and he just poked it into my chest and started sealing my heart back into who I was. And you know how the scripture talks about how he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. Now that for me was about a two-hour experience and um, it was a bit dramatic and so as a result I went home completely wiped out but the next day when I woke, I knew, I knew in the deepest part of who I am, I was, I was new. I was different. I was changed. I was loved and I was free. And it was like all of a sudden my heart felt more alive than ever before. And I, so I, I, off I go to work and at work, they knew me before my Jesus encounter and then they saw me after my Jesus encounter and they're like, what's going on with you, Delaney? I'm like, well, let me tell you. And I, so I tell them and they just said, well, you're effing idiot, mate. You're effing this. You're, what are you? You loser and you turn to religion and all of that. I'm like, no, no, no. No, this, this, this happened to me. I met Jesus and um, wasn't too much longer after that that I finished working there because Jesus had me on track for another thing. But the point of my story is, for me, 
I entered into the fulfilling work of the love of God in Jesus that God said he would do through when he spoke that prophetic word through Ezekiel way back when. I'm going to give people new hearts, new lives. I'm going to make them new. I'm going to give them a heart that's geared towards me and not away from me. I'm going to come and forgive them of their sin and set them free and give them, a, a, you know, my kingdom. And so that was, that was my, my experience. And I share that because that happened in the very deepest part of who I am. And yet, as a born-again, brand-new creation, I still, I still found myself struggling to figure out how to bring the rest of me into um, agreement with what had ha- taken place in my spirit and my heart. Um, Thea, could I get you just to, um, on the thing there? Just go to that picture. Keep going. Keep going. These are last week's notes. Um, no, you've got the wrong slides up. You've got devoted to fellowship. It should be uh, devoted to Jesus. Or, or maybe there should be a round picture there. Or maybe I didn't leave it on the desktop. Anyway, you can have a bit of a look for it in a minute. But there's basically three parts to the human, the human being. There is our spirit. There is our soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotional intelligence. And then there is our body, our physical body. Here we go. That's the one. Brilliant. So Jesus had done this work deep within who I am. And this is what the promise of God is for anyone that turns to, to him and welcomes the free gift of salvation. Of, this is what salvation is. It actually means to come alive to your true destiny as a human being made by the love of God for his great glory and your, your joy as a gift to the world. That's what salvation means. And that we get to partner with God as he's reconciling the whole world in the heavens and the earth and everything in the person of Jesus. We get to be a part of this massive thing that's going on and yet in a very personal and powerful way. And it takes place in the spirit of a person, in the heart of a person. And so God was doing this work in me and yet I've now found myself on a 20-something... Oh, I don't even know. My maths is really bad this morning. I went to bed very late. Um, and um, for a long time now, <laughs> for a long time now, I've been trying to work out this salvation that's taken place in me, learning to live from the inside out um, and not from the outside in. Because outside in is just behavior management and religion. It's like, do this, do that, do this, and you'll be right with God and you'll get life. No, 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 no. No. Receive the free gift of God in Jesus Christ and come alive to who you truly are and then you step into the increasing, going from glory to glory. God's bringing sons and daughters to glory. He's growing us up in God. And Paul says, not that I've taken hold of all of this yet, but hey, I press on. I press I keep moving. And so we're growing up in this experience. And so it's a transformation. It's a journey of transformation. And I want to encourage every single one of us that that this is an ongoing reality for all of us. And it's a wonderful thing. 
to realize that God has got his hands on our life and we're coming alive in every part of our life to him and for the sake of others. This is a transformation that has happened and is happening and will continue to happen. It's one thing, you know, I find myself in many situations where I'm before Lord, the Lord, I'm in a time of worship here at Vineyard or in small group or with some people and I'm just like, I find myself in these moments where I'm like, I'm a, I, all of a sudden I'm emotionally aware of God and he's like drawing me near and so my emotions are coming alive to him and then he'll, then he'll speak to me by the person of the Holy Spirit into, the, into my spirit and he'll say, hey, Kirk, will you do this for me? And I, on the one hand, I'm like emotionally I'm in this space of going, oh, yeah, oh, anything, anything, Jesus, anything, Father, anything, Holy Spirit, just, oh, yeah, I'll do that. It's one thing to actually say yes, Lord, from our emotions empowered by the Spirit. It's another thing to then actually agree mentally with what's actually taking place in our emotions, where we actually go, actually, I've got the mind of Jesus on this one. I'm going to come into agreement with that. And then it's another thing altogether to then actually bring our body, our resources, our time, our energy, and our actual everyday life into that outworking of what was going on when I said, oh, yeah, I love you, God, and yeah, you love me, and oh, by the way, Kirk, would you do this for me? This is how it plays out. But then there's this, there's this thing that's like, well, uh, will I? <laughs> it's one thing to say yes, it's another thing to actually will that yes, bring your will to that yes. You can bring your emotions to it all the time. We do it all the time. We're, we're good at that. But, but, but God doesn't just want our emotional intelligence. He wants our will to come with it as well. He wants us to actually say, uh, I'm actually going to align myself with this. Nicole and I, when we were in our early 20s, not long after we were married, um, we were, I was finishing my studies and um, Nicole was working for Suncorp in the city in the superannuation department. I think there were six people on staff at that time in superannuation. It was so brand new, a product. Can you believe that? Anyway, but she was, she was working there in, at, at Suncorp in the city. I was finishing my, my theological studies and ministry assignment training and so forth. And we, was, we were at the point of going, okay, God, wherever you want us. Well, God thought that would be really good uh, to bring us into an, a conversation with him about where he might put us. Now, at first, we found ourselves in Nimbin. New, northern New South Wales of all places. We're, we're down there and these, these Christians down there, they were like, we're sussing out this young couple to see whether or not they're the ones that are meant to come and lead us here in Nimbin. And we were like, are you sure, God, you've got the right people in the right place here? Because <laughs> we're feeling awfully out of our depth right now. We're not real Nimbin-like people. <laughs> well, you know, we've grown up in the burbs, you know, <laughs> it's like... We're definitely not nimbinish. Um, but anyway, we, we kind of had to go down there and then we were like, oh God, oh God, and you know, and we were dealing with all of our anxieties and, and we didn't sleep great and we're like, mm, you know. Uh, but we, we were like, will you trust, 
the Lord's asking, will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you, will you let what um, is coming alive in your emotions in my presence to saying yes to me, will you let that find its way out into reality and inform your actual life? The actual choice that you make with how you spend your life. Now, we can breathe deep because the Lord was kind and he called someone else to go to Nimbin. <laughs> but he thought Nicole and I would do really well in North Queensland. And so we went to, um, well, I, I took a flight to Townsville to meet with some church churches up there and they were interviewing me over a weekend and one of the things that was peculiar to me and Nicole, we just bought our first appliance as a, as a married couple, a dishwasher. Our first dishwasher and we lived in this little townhouse just down here at Launton. We bought a dishwasher and we were like, Nicole, it was like, oh God, where, what do you mean? We might have to give up the dishwasher. And Nicole said to me, <laughs> Nicole says to me, she says, I'll know it's the Lord if there is a space for our dishwasher in Townsville. That was it. That was all she needed to know from the Lord. It wasn't some great big lightning bolt of revelation. It was just, no, the Lord, you know, we've worked hard to save up for this dishwasher. And that was important to who we were. And God was aware of that. And so I get to Townsville and it's this kind of 1975, 1980s kind of built house upstairs downstairs and the kitchen was um, lime green bench tops and mission brown cupboards and blow me down guess what was there <laughs> a, a space for a dishwasher so I get straight on the phone I said Nick we're coming to Townsville <laughs> but we, our, our life was just coming into agreement with with God on a on a spiritual level on an emotional level, on a mental level, on a practical level. God wants, he, he saved our whole life that we might partner with him in living a full life. That's what we've been saved for, to live a full life. Now, the wonderful thing is, it does seem a little bit paradoxical at times. And a paradox seems like two truths are kind of in conflict with each other. And yet, at the same time, that tension remains. And, the, and Paul and Peter and the other New Testament writers, they're really good theologians, and they love to articulate things with this sense of tension, like things like you, by this gospel, in 1 Corinthians 15, 2, by this gospel, you are saved. And the tense of that is you couldn't be any more saved than you are right now. Because God has come and established his lordship in who you are. You are a born-again new creation. You are fully saved right here, right now. Can't get any more saved than you are now. And yet, at the same time, in his same letter to the Corinthians, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we are saved, and at the same time, we are being saved. And at the end of the end, we are fully saved. So we live in this kind of mm, mm, between these two tensions. That seems to be the way God likes it. 
that we live in this place. And so I want to let you know that um, the tendency, though, for, for me, might not be for you, but, but I, I want to resolve tension. I want to resolve it. I don't, I don't like living in the, the tug of that. And so I'll, I'll want to say, oh, no, I'm all saved, and, yep, that's it, I can, I can close up shop. I don't have to do any more work now. That's it. I'm, I, I, it's all done. Uh, or, uh, you know, that's overblown triumphalism. Um, or down at the other end, um, sometimes I partner with that whole thing of like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, you've got such a great big work to do in me. Uh, how could you ever take me from where I am to where you would like me to be? Um, and I end up down that end of town in the underrealized reality of the kingdom of God. But we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And this plays out in you and I as new creation, born-again followers of Jesus. We live from, we're learning, the invitation from God is this, learning to live from who we now are in Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God, and living into who we are becoming in Jesus Christ as fully flourishing human beings. And Paul says it like this. He says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, he says, Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Day by day, we are being renewed. Um, And then at the same time, in 2 Corinthians 4.7, he says it like this. He says, we have this wonderful treasure that, wonderful treasure of the, the the lordship of christ has came and come and made home in us he says we have this wonderful treasure god made his light to shine in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of christ in these jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from god and not from us And so God does this amazing work. Paul refers to us as fragile jars of clay. Isn't that amazing that something so all-powerful can rest in something really fragile like you and me? But this is the kindness and the goodness of God. And we're learning to live from who we are with our whole life now toward God and toward others. To follow Jesus, Jesus calling you, and at, and at this point in your life, Jesus may be calling you to partner with the Holy Spirit with the actioning of your life by agreeing, bringing mental agreement, intellectual agreement to the thinkings and the worldviews of Jesus with how you spend your life, in how you use your resources. He's, he's, he's looking for an intelligent, emotional conversation like, Hey, there's a reason why I'm asking that you would, you would give me some of those resources I've blessed your life with. Will, will you come into that conversation? Will you come into agreement with, with that in invitation from Jesus to follow him? Maybe, maybe it's actually about learning to look at people differently. You know, last week I used that 2 Corinthians 5. We no longer consider people from a worldly point of view. There's been a lens change. Like the, the lens change for me when the Holy Spirit broke in with power and love to bring the Lordship of Christ to my spirit was I, 
I had a change in the way that I viewed people. I, I started to realise, actually, you're not there to satisfy my needs. <laughs> you're not there for that. That's not your primary purpose. Your primary purpose as a person is not to gratify my needs. But coming alive to that meant I had to actually look at people differently. I had to look at them with the lens of God and the love of Christ. But that was happening. That was taking place. So much so that even though I'm looking at people differently, yet, yet, my flesh was still like, hey, that person could benefit me. What, what they have to offer could make my flesh feel good. Yet I had to come into like bringing my flesh into agreement with what Jesus was doing from the inside out. This is the, this is the journey. View people dif- differently. Um, you know, so like even when God says something like as, you know, because we're big followers of Jesus here at the vineyard, and he says, hey, heal the sick. Well, when he says, heal the sick, how do I approach that? Do I, look at, do I look at it through the lens of, oh, you know, through a, a, the, the fullness of who I am now in Christ as I look at this circumstance, as I approach the, the situation that this person needs health and healing in? Do I look at it with the resources of the kingdom of God or do I run around and go, oh, I'm not the person for the job, you need someone else. I don't even think God can do this. You know, where this is, this is what God's wanting to inform and grow us up in so we can heal the sick, partner with him. Love your children. Be faithful to your wife. Stop using pornography. Stop giving um, yourself away to things. How are we using our our brain, our organs, our cells, our senses, our nerves, are we allowing that to become fully alive in Jesus? Or are we still looking for things to satisfy and gratify from the outside in in the hope that it will make us feel better internally? It never happens. It's an inward work of God that transforms the external. Learning to live from who we are. You know what? What about when God says, hey, will you do this for me? I, I was thinking about this idea of obedience. While I was sitting on the aeroplane last night, I was thinking about obedience, obedience. Saying yes, Lord, and obedience. And the Lord just gently spoke to me. And he said, Kirk, obedience is the joy of being alive to me. I just had to sit with that one all the way home. And then when I get home and get off the plane at 11.30 last night and I had to stand there on the footpath for another half an hour and wait for the bus to pick me up to take me to where my car was parked. So by the time I got there at midnight and I'm standing in the cold, I'm like, obedience. The joy of being fully alive to you, Lord. (laughs) This is great, standing in the car park at the airport at midnight, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? I I was fully alive in that space. I... I was so alive in that space, I got into the little Corolla and tore home. I get home and I was ready for big conversation. Everyone was asleep. Everyone was asleep. 
And so I just had to lie in bed there like from about um, just about one o'clock. I'm just lying there with my eyes open like, oh, this is so good, Lord. I can't sleep now. I'm so alive. (laughs) So anyway, but the joy of being alive to Jesus is obedience. And only, only the follower of Jesus, only the follower of Jesus walks in the knowledge and the power of this great joy. Only the follower of Jesus walks in the power and the knowledge of this great joy. Are you alive to God? If we're still responding to his commands, to his requests, to the invitations from the heart of God with a first response of resistance or apathy or resentment, then are we trying to live from our flesh in the hope that our our soul might come alive? Or are we being invited by God to acknowledge the resistance, to confess the apathy, to put the resentment on the table before him and say, Oh, God, I want to actually live from who I am now in you that my flesh might not be resistant to you, that my life might not be in rebellion to you. With your mind, with your emotional intelligence, with your body, with your will. In this season, the Holy Spirit is just continuing again to refresh us with the invitation to come alive, fully alive to God. It's an opportunity for us, for our spirit in fellowship, in koinonia with the Holy Spirit, in the Lordship of Christ who has come and taken up residency within us, to come alive to that power and that we might be an empowered people who now live alive to God and to others. And that we might be a people of great, great emotional intelligence, strong emotional intelligence, great passion and creativity, great spiritual hunger, great trust and belief because we're becoming wholehearted people alive in God. We are new creations, born again, being transformed by the creative love of God. And I want to encourage you, like everyone has got their point of where this cuts cuts in. Everyone, every single one of you right now is in a moment of where this truth is cutting in. Whether it's in a relationship, whether it's the way that you're choosing to use your body, whether it's the way you're choosing to use your resources, whether it's the way you're choosing to use your mind, the, what you're agreeing with, whether it just whatever, whatever, whatever. Everyone has a point where this is cutting in. Because God, this is what it means for God to bring you into his good kingdom. He wants you to live and live a full life, an abundant life. And there's lots of little... Um, how do you put it? Well, there's, there's a, I, I'll, I'll teach on this another time, but I'll talk about how it's important to partner with the Holy, the work of the Spirit because in doing so we're partnering with the great battle of God over the kingdom of darkness for the sake of the world. The great victory of God in the world takes place in the heart of a person 
and finds its way out into the world. And so there's a, God's inviting us to partner with what he's doing out there even as he's doing it in here. And there's a great spiritual contest going on around that. Last night when I was in um, Newtown with a group of vineyard people, this little crew of us, there was a dozen of us in this, I don't know if you've ever been to Newtown, New South Wales, that place is like on steroids, like fully like so many different world views and spiritualities and it is like, wow, this place is like full blown, you know, and, um, and everyone's not looking good. <laughs> There's no happiness to be found. And um, anyway, we were, doing, we were just having this little worship time in the middle of all of that, which was fantastic. God was so kind. We were meeting in this old building and crazy stuff on the walls. And anyway, but God was there and, and we were having a great time with him. And I had this word for um, one of the people that were there. And in this word, um, I as I was praying, I saw, I saw Jesus asleep. I saw Jesus asleep. And I automatically went, oh, that's, I, I know what that's about, Lord. That's the one where you're in the boat and you're having a sleep. And, and, you know, God's kind to me like that. He just, he's very helpful, keeps it very simple for me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yep, yep, that's the one where you're in the front of the boat and you went to sleep. And so I quickly pulled it up, and it was in Mark 4. And, and anyway, in Mark chapter 4, I'm, I was, had a quick read through it. And, and Jesus said um, to his disciples, come on, in the boat, let's go, we're going to the other side. And then they all get in the boat. And so Jesus, quite confident in his, the declaration of his destiny and purposes, he goes, now's a good time for a rest because we're going to the other side. But in the process of him going from side A to side B over the lake, a uh, great big storm comes along. Great big conflict begins to stir up in the natural realm. Wind, waves start crashing over the bow of the boat and the, and, and, and the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they're like, ah, um, and, and they're like, so what do they do? They wake Jesus up and they tell him this. They say, don't you care about us? Don't you care about us? Now just pause on that. Just bring this back into your own story for a second. Lord, I said yes to you about this. And I have followed you into this space. And look at the storm that's all going on around me. Don't you care about me? Have you brought me out here that I would be damaged? Have Have you brought me, Lord, out here? Can you not see the anxiety that I'm dealing with right now? Jesus, wake up. I would hazard they weren't living from their spirit at that point. And Jesus gets up and he just says to the winds and the waves, wait, stop it. And it all calms down. And they look at each other, the disciples, and they say, even the wind and the waves obey him. I share that. I shared that last night. I'll share that this morning. Because I I really feel like Jesus is asking his people in this season 
will you trust me with what I've said I would do and where I said I would take you? When I asked you to follow me into this place and space and purpose and function and relationships and well, when I asked you to follow me into that and then the storm came around and, I, and I've said to you, I want to give you your, your, you know, taking those prophetic hopes of Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah to give you a full life. And even John in John's gospel that you might have a life in all its fullness. Have we trusted him in that or are we letting our anxieties, our flesh, the, 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 um, the parts of our body, our emotional intelligence as it's learning to grow up, are we trusting in that or are we trusting in who is Lord who has given us a new spirit and a new heart to follow him? Where are we leaning for life? Where are we leaning for trust? It's all gone. It's all, I, I'm looking at you all, and I can see all of the stories just rushing through you right now of your story right where you are right now doing your very real life. Jesus is the Lord of even the wind and the waves. And he's asked us to follow him. And he's asked and he said, come on, we're going to the other side. The promise of the kingdom. Now, if you're like me, sometimes it takes me a few laps around the mountain, but I'm getting quicker at it when I'm realising where I'm leaning into for my sense of life to be able to navigate where Jesus has said, come on, mate, and for him to be asleep. For him, he's, 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 he's trusting in the Father's will over his life in that boat enough to go, now it's a good time for me just to rest. I'm just going to rest. I mean, he was on his way to drive out a bunch of demons out of a bloke. But he was, oh, yeah, yeah, now's the time to have a good rest. And he just finished a massive ministry session where there's crowds of people hounding him for healing, signs and wonders. He's like, come on, let's go. And he, he has a rest. He trusts so profoundly in the Father that doesn't matter what's going on around, I can rest in that. The promises of the Father's love for his life. Can we? Can we? Because that's what God wants to, that's what our experience is awaiting for us, that we can lean into this born-again reality of the Lordship of Jesus Christ where we can trust in the Father's good plans for our life. And we go, yep, it's okay. I don't have to battle this one, fight this one. I can just, tr I can just trust in God. There's a form of spiritual battle. I'm just going to trust in God because he's made me new he's bringing me into the fullness of that newness in him and now I can trust him even more than I did the day before but for some of us today we're really busy hounding Jesus like hey have you brought me out here to drown and it's okay if that's how you're feeling 
Jesus didn't dish his disciples because of that. He didn't, he didn't shoo them away because of that. He just demonstrated his lordship just to remind them again. Trust in God. There's a massive thing going on right now. And if there's one thing in our country that we don't do well is trust. We don't trust. We don't trust at any level. We don't trust institutions. We don't trust leaders. We don't trust governments. We don't trust marriages. We don't trust, we don't trust our children. We don't trust our parents. We don't trust the economy. We don't trust our superannuation is going to be enough for us for the day when we retire. We don't trust. We don't trust. We don't trust. And God is saying, come on. There's good news. My kingdom has come. Be born again. Live from who I've made you to be as a child of the living God into what I'm doing in the world. Who wants to trust God? There's the question. Who, wants, who would like to trust God more? Okay, well, why don't you stand up and we'll pray. I know I do. <laughs> I'm, I mean, you know, I'm... Oh, we... there's a whole bunch of unbelief that's in the room right now, let me tell you. Of all of the circumstances right now, as you stood up, everything that the enemy right now, he's just whipping it up around you because you've just got in the boat. You've just got in the boat with Jesus. All of those circumstances and situations around you that right now the enemy is like, no, nah, that can't ever be restored. That can't ever be healed. That can't ever be fixed. There will never be enough. All of that unbelief that's in the atmosphere right now is the enemy of God. And he pokes around in our emotions with those lies and our mind. And I just want to right now, in the name of Jesus, invite you to give your heart to Jesus. Heavenly Father, I just ask, even as we're standing this morning, we've said, hey, we want to we learn to live in this place of trust and all of the fullness of what that means with you, Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, right now, there may be some of us in this room who for the very first time are saying, Jesus, I'm getting in your boat. I, I, I'm wanting you to be my Lord. I'm wanting to say thank you that you came and you took on the work of the enemy and you went to the cross and you took on all the sin and the shame and the brokenness of the world and that you buried it even when you were buried and that you on the third day, Lord Jesus, rose again by the power of the Spirit, you came alive again. And now you rule and reign, even right now from the right hand of the Father. And I just want to say, Lord Jesus, would you welcome me into your kingdom, into your boat right now? And if that's happening for you today, right now, for the very, very first time, I just want to speak to your heart, to your spirit, the promise of God that right now in this moment, your sin is forgiven 
you are completely free from all of the powers that have been associated with that. And right now, God is placing in your spirit a new spirit, a fleshy heart that is orientated towards the love of God in Jesus. And you are now a new, born-again, good creation of God. And so I want to speak assurance to what's happening to you today. And I also want to say, welcome to the kingdom of God. <laughs> it's an awesome party. <laughs> welcome to the kingdom. And for those of us that have been in the boat for a while, Lord, where the wind and the waves have been stirring and our, we've been leaning into our ability to navigate and control rather than trust and where anxiety has been our friend and where unbelief has somehow given us platitudes of comfort. Oh, Lord, would you just forgive us for that? We just lean, just lean back again into your arms of grace and the lordship of your kingdom where even the wind and the waves, they know your name. Lord Jesus, we give you our our concerns, our fears, our anxieties. And we thank you that in exchange you give us your Holy Spirit. Fill us again. Fill our mind again, Lord. Fill our will again. Fill our, our emotional intelligence again, oh God, with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, for those of us in the room right now, where there's been a lot of like, current conversation with you about how we're using our body, our physical body, and what we've been looking to and people for to somehow satisfy our flesh. Lord, we just humbly come before you and say, can you just help us in that one? From the very inside out, with the power of your spirit, just begin to invade the members of our body our organs, our senses, our cells, with your life and the knowledge of your glory. Would you begin to just let that party that's going on on the deepest part of us, where your Lord, would you just let it broach now into our flesh? And we just say to the flesh now, in the name of Jesus, receive the kingdom of God. Flesh, receive the kingdom of God and be set free. Be free. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is at hand. The good news is yours. And so in the name of Jesus today, I bless you in the power of the Spirit. I bless you. There's some things that we get to do as Christians. And one of them, one of the privileges that we have as Christians is to be able to bless people in the name of God. So when I say I bless you, it's not like I'm like you just had a sneeze and, oh, bless you. No, no, no. It is the, in the name of the one who came 
and lived and brought the kingdom once and for all. And the one who died and rose again in, the, in his name, in the name of the one who's ruling and reigning in the power of God from the heavens into the earth and even right into your heart, in his name, I bless you. I bless you to live a full life this week in God, leaning into the trustworthiness of who he is as king and saviour of us all. I, I, if I, could, I can't give you anything greater than the privilege of that blessing. I, but it's mine to give and I give it. And I give it to you in Jesus' name. And I just bless you this week to be a people who take that blessing and live that blessing as you partner, as you fellowship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, there's a bunch of people here. If, if you've prayed like that for the first time, if you've got in the boat with Jesus for the first time, don't go without coming to see um, whoever it is you came with or... Nicole or myself or Scott and Bell or any of the other kinship group leaders or one of your friends that are here, come and, come and see them because we want to pray for you and just like cheer you on in that decision today. There's some people here that need some healing.